How y'all doing this morning? Come on. How many of you liking that weather? Come on, go Tigers. Anyway, well, it's to be here with you. If you're a visitor, i just let you know only good-looking people come to our Savior's Church. We're so glad to have you. And um, I'm, my name is Pastor Bubba McCann. I'm the founding pastor in Jennings, Eunice, and now in Crowley. And uh, I'm so excited to be here with you this morning. Actually, I was up in North Dakota and South Dakota, and I'm still thawing out. And um, so, but if you're looking for, if you have your notes, we're going to, I'm going to talk to you a little bit this morning just about he went first. And we're going to talk about what God does in our lives and how he, he always makes the first step towards us. And, you know, there's a, a movie that uh, I'm going to use as a little bit of an example that, that came out a few years ago. And it's called, it was called Hidden Figures. And it's a great movie. It's a biographical drama about three African-American women that actually, uh, they, they worked, they were the first African-American women that worked for NASA. And, uh, and it was before the Civil Rights Movement and during it. And the movie centers around three ladies, Mary Jackson, Dorothy Vogue, and, and uh, Katherine Johnson. And what they did, these women were pioneers in science. They were called the computers of the Black West Wing. And what happened is Dorothy Vogue became, became NASA's first black supervisor in 1949. You got to re- realize that's, that's, that was an incredible uh, achievement. And also, uh, Katherine Johnson, she, she uh, figured out the, the trajectory of how when they shot uh, Alan Shepard into space, the first, man, the first human to, you know, to, in spaceflight for America, in 1962 when John Glenn, who was an astronaut that followed him and actually became a senator later, uh, he said, I'm not going up until Katherine Johnson does the trajectory on my space flight because I'm not going up until she gives me how things are going to go. And she said, it's all good. If she, he said, if she said it's all good, then it's all good. How I many you know, if your mama said it was good, it was good. Okay, the rest of you, you didn't have a mama like that. And so what happened is, but my, my favorite, I mean, uh, in fact, President Obama actually gave her a reward, award, and she received America's highest civil, she, uh, civil service award, and it was, it was the Medal of Freedom, which that's the highest uh, medal you can get as a, just a regular citizen. But Mary, Jackson's my fa- Mary Jackson is my favorite. Her job was to extract data from the flight test. Like after they went, she would go take all the data and put it all together, and, and her boss saw how brilliant she was, and he said, you need to go get into engineering school so you can, get a, you can become, a, and you become a, a certified engineer. But what was happening is it was during the civil rights movement that she wasn't able to even get into high school. She was older and wasn't even able to get into high school to be able to get the classes she needed to be able to go on to college and get her degree in engineering. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you a clip and what she did to overcome. She had to make a step. And so I wanna, we're going to show that clip right now. She stands before a judge, and he tells her what she can do. We think we are rendering a great service to our nation, for this is not a struggle for ourselves alone. It is a struggle to save the soul of America. Mary Jackson, petition to attend courses at Hampton High School. Good morning, Your Honor. Hampton High School is a white school, Mrs. Jackson. 
Yes, Your Honor, I'm aware of that. Virginia, still a segregated state, regardless of what the federal government says, regardless of what Supreme Court says, our law is the law. Your Honor, if I may, I believe there are special circumstances to be considered. What would warrant a colored woman attending a white school? May I approach your bench, sir? Your Honor, you of all people should understand the importance of being first. How's that, Mrs. Jackson? Well, you were the first in your family to serve in the armed forces, U.S. Navy, the first to attend university, George Mason, and the first state judge to be recommissioned by three consecutive governors. You've done some research. Yes, sir. What's the point? The point is, Your Honor, no Negro woman in the state of Virginia has ever attended an all-white high school. It's unheard of. Yeah, unheard of. And before Alan Shepard sat on top of a rocket, no other American had ever touched space. And now he will forever be remembered as the U.S. Navy man from New Hampshire, the first to touch the stars. And I, sir, I plan on being an engineer at NASA. But I can't do that without taking them classes at that all-white high school. And I can't change the color of my skin. So I have no choice but to be the first, which I can't do without you, sir. Your Honor, out of all the cases you're going to hear today, which one is going to matter 100 years from now? Which one is going to make you the first? the night classes, Mrs. Jackson. Come on, give it up. In 1958, Mary became NASA's first black female engineer in at, at, at the age of 37. And you know, the incredible thing, Mary Jackson had to fight to be the first woman and be able and overcome the barriers that she faced as being an African-American woman. And what happened is like, you know, it's like even what Mother Teresa said, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples. You know, when we stand up and we look at first, and I know this, pioneers go first. Pioneers leave legacies. No pioneers, no legacies. And so what is legacy? And that's what we're talking about this morning. Legacy is still a future without you in it, but still influenced by you. What do you mean, Pastor Baba? This is what the love of Jesus is all about. You know, that Jesus was the ultimate legacy pioneer and just like mary jackson jesus went first what do you mean pastor Rose? that's what i want to talk about jesus went first in three ways here it is number one you have it on your notes it says that we forgive because he forgave us first 
In other words, Ephesians says, like, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God also has forgiven you. You're free to, to forgive because you have been freely forgiven. Andy Stanley says it like this, in the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. He said, but in the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. You see, when I don't forgive others, it's it's not because I can't forgive them what they've done to me. It's because I forget what's been done for me. You see, there was an attorney several years ago, and he had all these people that owed him money. So he decided to do something. God had been speaking to him, and he wanted to forgive their debt. And so what he did, he sent out 17 certified letters. If you get a certified letter, it means you have to sign it. And so, and, and they'll return and they see who signed for the letter. Well, these people, they, they were, these people owed money to this lawyer. And so what happened after a couple, about a week or so, out of the 17 envelopes he got, 16 came back. No one signed because they thought, man, the lawyer, he's a lawyer. You're going to sue me. There's only one person. And he's the one that read the letter and signed and was forgiven of his debt. And I think about us sometimes, you know. Uh, you know, we owe a debt for our sin, but Christ Jesus was willing to cancel it. And too many people will not open the letter that explains what has been done for us. I remember being on the back of a work boat. Having a, I was working for the largest engineer. Uh, civil engineering company in the world, John Chance Surveying. And I can remember after we'd gone through a storm and everything, the first time I ever picked up the book on my own. And I said, God, if you're real, I just prayed this way, just show me. Can I just tell you something? I didn't understand a lot of it. Because here's the thing, when you're not close to someone or you're not intimate with someone, it doesn't make sense. Hello? And I just, and I remember my grandmother saying, if you don't trust anything, they have red letters, because she's the one that gave me the Bible. And I began to read that. And after I read it, I said, God, if you're like what the pages says, begin to show me. And God began to make first moves towards me. I just asked, and he made the move. I mean, you know, even before I asked, he was making moves. Come on. How many of you knew before you asked, before you knew, God was making a move on you? It's not like, you know, it's not like the other kind of moves. It's like a move. And what happens is, you know, it's, it's profound because when Jesus died on the cross, he sent you a letter saying, forgiven. You have to be, and here's the thing. You, all you got to do is just open the envelope. Open your heart. Open your life. You see, why is it so important? It's not just for your life, but it's for your life forever. See, we only live in this place temporarily. But when we leave this earth, we'll, we'll match the face behind the voice that spoke to us. We'll leave, we'll leave this earth and we'll begin to believe, breathe celestial air. And see, what happens is God didn't, you know, good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. You know, the difference between me and my wife is that she was what we considered a goody-goody. I was like a mess. But the incredible thing, what God does, here's the thing. Remember this. Write this down. God didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make people that were spiritually dead alive. 
It doesn't matter if you were good. I mean, I know people that are just good people. Hey, you ever meet, you ever meet uh, Thibodeau? No, man, that's a good man. Really? And he's God. He's sweet. He's nice. But he's lost. Are you hearing me? I was hunting this week, and I didn't even know it. The guy, I, they, I always hunt before I, I mean, I always pray before I hunt. And we were, we were sitting there with all these guys, and some weren't saved, and some are. And, and then one guy gave a boring prayer the first morning, and they asked me. I, like, I didn't even give them a choice. I said, hey, we're going to do it like we do in South Louisiana, guys. I said, I get up in the morning. Genesis said that God has given us dominion over the fowl of the earth. That means God's going to help us shoot right. Come on, we're not going to miss much, so we're taking dominion. And they're going, man, I like that. But Acts says this, rise, kill, and eat. I said, everyone has got up this morning with an expectation. When you came to church, I hope you had an expectation for a visitation from Jesus. Are you hearing me? When you rise, you have an expectation. As a kid, you know, it's like when I came here this morning, I was driving here. I don't put on the radio when I go preach somewhere. I was just praying, praying in the spirit, and I felt the presence of God come on me. And it was when I came here, I had an expectation that God was going to do something. When I remember going to Jennings, and I remember going there and starting the campus there and starting the church, I had an expectation. Even when I do midweek um, services on, on Thursday, Pastor Josh asked him a question. He goes, Pastor Bubba, what was the defining moment when you knew God? What were the defining moments in your life? I said, uh, name one. I said, I can't name one. I named many. I remember showing up on a Thursday night at the Holiday Inn to do a midweek service, and no one showed up with me. But there was a bar across, and a guy actually slipped in, <laughs> you know, getting the wrong door. I remember doing men's Bible studies. I, mean, I remember that moment I go, you know what, God, you told me to come, and I'm here. And I'm just one of those hard-headed kids, you know what I'm saying? Kids, I'm not a kid anymore, my... My spiritual grandfather said, you're the youngest, oldest man I know. And, uh, you know, and it's like, I can remember just different things that happened. When we came here, there was an expectation. See, when we came, we, weren't, we were never considered ourselves a city church. God has called us to reach a region. We consider ourselves a regional church. That's why it's one church with different campuses. Come on. Because everybody needs rice in their gumbo. Come on. And that's Crowley. We can do it all, but we need the rice. You see, what happens is good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. The second point is we love because he loved us first. You know, we love because he first loved us. That's what 1 John 4.19 says. What is love? Love is wanting the best for someone, even at your own expense. How many of you got children? How many of you love them? How many of you there's a big expense? You let them go to college. Come on. I got my youngest son wants to go to medical school. I'm like, Jesus, you got to provide. You see, Romans says it like this, and I love the way the message says it. It says, but God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in a sacrificial death while we were of no use whatsoever to him. God, how did Jesus love you? While we were sinners, Christ came. Here's the thing. You know, 
you know the how many of you know you have family members? We got holidays coming up. Okay, we got in-laws and outlaws coming to different things. Come on. People that you've avoided for a year, you got to see them again. There's only a few of you. Thank you. I mean, I have one relative. I mean, she they are on prescription drugs and they actually abuse them and with alcohol. So when they come to the Christmas parties. You can't even understand. I'm like, can you say it again? And my heart goes out to them because I knew where they were at one time in their life. And their life, instead of being useful, has become just messed up because they believe lies. They don't believe that God loves them. I hear that all the time. But God doesn't like me. God doesn't love me. And I go, that's a lie. And I, and I explain to them over and over and pray for them. But Jesus makes the first. How many know that God knows the worst about people? And you don't want, that you don't even want to be around sometimes. The thing I love so much about God is that he knows me the most, and yet he chooses to love me the most. Sometimes I think this, God knows the things that have gone through my mind that would repulse some of you. How many of you ever gone to read your Bible and the worst thoughts come to your mind? See, that's why the Bible says to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That I'm not conformed to the image of this world, but I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And God, when he comes, he begins to do... I, I remember looking at a girl when I was... I just got saved, and I had to break up with her. And she goes... You've been brainwashed. And it was my perfect moment. I love this girl. I wanted to marry this girl. I thought she was going to be someone that I would spend the rest of my life with. And I looked at her and said, if you would have known what's in my brain, you would thank God that he has washed it. And she cussed me out. But then that made me propel to meet my beautiful, incredible wife that I think I wouldn't trade her for nothing. And see, here's the thing. When Jesus, let's see, when Jesus told us to love one another, he wasn't telling us you got to feel like it, feel like love. It means you got to do it. There's a difference in feelings and doing. Come on. How many know you brought, for some of you have older children, you know, you, you help bring them into this world. And sometimes your motto goes, I brought you in and I can take you out too. And see, what happens is in Ephesians, it says, here's what it says. Listen to this. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wife, for your, your wives. Exactly as Christ did for the church. Jesus was willing to lay down his life for the church. A love marked by giving, not by getting. Come on. Ooh, that, I could preach that one right there. His words invoke her beauty. Every, in other words, my words to my wife as a husband, create her. When she comes on, when she calls me, my first, this is what I do. Hey, beautiful. What's up? That's how I talk to her. Because you know what? I name her. I name my wife. You old bag of dirt, you. Where's the dinner? I mean, come on. I've seen so many guys just speak stupid things to their wives. And they wonder why she's not friendly to them. Okay, that's a whole nother message. Because when I have 
kids that come in and they want to, and I call them kids now, I'm 60, so I mean, everybody's 60, I'm a kid now. And I, I remember, I've had people come and do a marriage, premarital counseling, and they'll go, well, you ready for ma- your wedding? Oh, yeah, Pastor Baba, I've been thinking about my wedding night. I can't wait. <laughs> I said, well, son, let me literally tell you something. As much as you desire to be intimate with your wife in the physical way, you'll find out that women have the same desire to be listened to as you have to be intimate with her. And I've had some guy go, is that strong? Yeah, get married two weeks. You'll find out. Because they all come in, hey, how's it going? They don't do anything. They're perfect. I'll go, yeah. I remember the first night, my honeymoon. Went to the bathroom. I put the lid up. In the middle of the night, I heard my wife, woo! The next morning, she was kind. She goes, hey, you know, we're living together now. We're married, and you need to put the lid down. Because when I sit on it, it's cold. I go, okay, I got a revelation of that. So I've learned. I, you know, I had to be trained. Come on. It's not weak. It's just doing the right thing. You see, Maybe some of you are smarter than me, but see, when husbands tell me I don't love my wife anymore, the Bible says, this is what the Bible says, husbands, love your wife. Or, or I'm not in love with her anymore, Pastor Bubba. The Bible says, love one another. But I don't even like her. The Bible says, love your enemies. Divor- getting divorced because you ran out of love is like... Selling your car because you ran out of gas. You see, what do you do when you run out of gas? You fill it up. And that's what marriage. Hey, can I, can I just tell you something? How many of you know we all go through different seasons of life? Okay, okay. How many, okay. How many perfect people do we have here? If you raise your hand, you're a liar. How many of you made some bad mistakes in your life? Come on. How many of you have some things you've said that you wish you could just bring back sometimes? Come on. How many, aren't you glad that God gives us a form of being, walk in forgiveness with each other and with God? It's called repentance. I'm sorry and I mean it. It's not going to happen again. You see, marriage is like, I always tell this, the simplest way I get marriage is like a bank account. The more you deposit, the more you can withdraw. But the sad thing is most marriages are overdrawn. See, let me give you a hint. I have motives sometimes when it's certain seasons. I'm just going to tell you the truth. When it's hunting season, I'm making lots of deposits. Come on. I mean, when I, was, when I was on sabbatical and I had a broken back for four months and I couldn't do much, I did a lot of reading, and my wife and I did a lot of talking, and I did a lot of listening to the point where a miracle happened. My wife said, we don't have anything left to talk about. Thank you, Jesus. No, anyway. She goes, we've talked about everything. But that means we got to go do new things so we can talk about the new things. Come on. And so, you know what? You need to look at your marriage like a bank account. What, let me ask you, what are you depositing in love to your mate? What are you depositing? Jesus came, and he demonstrated love to us. Thomas Aquinas, uh, Akempis said this, whoever loves much does much. 
Whoever loves much does much. Jesus showed us his love. He did much for us. The third point, the final point is we give because he gave first. There's a great picture of this in the Old Testament with God's people, the children of Israel. God has provided their deliverance, their food, their water, and he's been their GPS, where they got to go. But when it comes to building a sanctuary for him to dwell in, watch what he says. Listen to this. The Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to bring me their sacred offerings. Accept the contributions from all whose hearts are moved to offer them. He said, don't beg them. Don't tell a sad story. Don't try to build them up and get them all, you know, enthusiastic. He said, if their hearts are moved. And he said, there are moments God provides moments, and God provides for us. There are times that God just provides for us, and there's times God provides us so we can give. And see, think about this. God gave deliverance. God gave miracles, God gave the law, God gave the water, God gave the manna, God gave protection, a cloud by day, a fire by night. I mean, he gave the promised land. Now, God says, I went first now, and now it's your turn. Come on. God can build it without us, but he would rather build it through us. I have a lady, Miss Jean Letchworth. She goes, Pastor Bubba, if God can get it to me, he can get it through me. And that's a great philosophy. But I've seen her live the life. She's a, she's a widow. You see, how did, the people, how, how did the people do? Here it is. They went to Moses and reported. The people is Exodus chapter 36, verse 5 and 6. The people have given more than enough materials to complete the job the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave the command, and this message was sent throughout the camp. Men and women, don't prepare any more gifts for the sanctuary. We have enough. So the people stopped bringing their sacred offerings. When is the last time you heard Pastor JJ or me or Pastor Josh or even Zach go, that's enough. You don't need to give anymore. We have enough. Have you ever heard that? But that's what happened right here. Because their hearts were full. This is what happens. You know, it's like, it's, you know, that's what happened. The people got it. God gave his son. Jesus gave his life. And we give our life. What do you mean, Pastor Baba? He pioneered so we can too. I want, I want pioneering. I want to pioneer forgiveness. I want to pioneer love. I want to pioneer giving. You know, when we started, when I first started the church, the Lord sent me. And we had an opportunity in Jennings. We needed a place because for a year and a half, we had to set up, tear down, and actually be in about six different locations in a year and a half. I started out the Holiday Inn, and then they, we started getting a few people. And then what happened at the Holiday Inn is they... They, they figured out, you know, they wanted to go up on their price three times more for the rent. So we said, we're done with that. So little, we had churches in horse barns and stables a couple of times. It was nice, good atmosphere. The smell wasn't that good. It's hard to have children's church in a stall. 
And, you know, so what I did is just start praying and I started asking friends, would you consider helping? Because we needed six and a half weeks to raise money to be able to purchase the building that we were in. And I used to do a Bible study for uh, Stellar Settings or Matt Stellar. How many of you know that's the biggest, they're the biggest jewelry setting company in the world. And I know Mr. Matt, and when he found out that I was going to start a church, he called me and he said, Bubba, I'll give you matching funds. If you can raise $50,000, I'll match $50,000. Wow. He said, but you got to have it. And so I called different people. I remember Family Life where Francis Martin used to be. It's Todd Menard now. Where he's just a, just a great friend of mine, a pastor to pastors. And, and I called him one day. I said, Brother Francis, I, he's known my, my parents. And he knew me when I first got saved, knew me before saving, when I got saved and started ministering. And always, he's like a cheerleader for me. And I said, Brother Francis, would you just ask God if y'all would consider giving to us to help start buy this property and buy this building start this church and I remember he said well you know Bubba we have an offering it's a missionary offering and maybe we can give you some out of that and about a week later after I had the mission he said you know we did take up the mission offering but we decided we were going to give the whole mission offering to y'all and here's a check it was $4,000 had another friend he's got one of the largest churches in Louisiana now, but that's before they were large. It's like they had 200 people. They, they had some land they needed to sell. They sold the land, and they said, hey, we're going to tithe off of it. We're going to send the tithe to y'all. It was $12,000. I mean, I could tell you story after story how it happened. When we built the sanctuary, I was literally sitting in a chemo chair getting chemo. And I was... Can I just tell I said, Lord, you gave me a dream that I was going to plant churches all throughout this part of southwest Louisiana. We're, gonna, we're not going to be a, a, a city church. We're going to be a regional church. And the Lord, as soon as I, I just, how many of you have ever just complained to the Lord or felt sorry for yourself? Come on, Lord. It was one of those moments. And I get a phone call, and there's a guy on the other end. He goes, hey, Baba. I heard that y'all trying to raise some money to buy, to finish that sanctuary y'all building. I said, sure am. And he goes, he goes, you know, last year I helped y'all a little bit, and I had so much fun helping you. He said, I'll tell you what. I'll give you six weeks. Whatever you, whatever y'all get in six weeks, I'll match it, no matter what the price. And I go, can I have seven? And he started laughing. He goes, yeah. And I was thinking, to me, six was a, his number of man seven was God's number I thought I need seven I need God on my side and at the end of seven weeks we raised a hundred and I don't know what it was a hundred something thousand dollars and I called him and he wrote a check for the exact same amount to match and we were able to get into the building debt free Isn't that good? And so this is what we're doing for Legacy. We're believing God for $100,000 in units. They had a building given to them. And what happened is in that building, they needed $100,000. It was a dance studio that was moved from the, the next lot over to our back lot in Eunice. And what we're doing is we need $100,000 just to finish it, 
redo it, and equip it. And then in Jennings, we need $100,000 to do some things on the outside of some buildings and finish a parking lot. We have the drink, we have the money to build, put these pipes and drains, and it would have been like $20,000. The guy helped us. It's going to be like $4,700. Just buy the material. That's awesome. That's God. And here in Crowley, we're believing for $50,000. Because what, if something comes up, we want to go, here you go, Shah. We can take put that down. We're looking for a building. We're looking for land. We're looking for a place. And so that's what we're doing. We just want to position ourselves to be ready here in Crowley. And so, you know, let's be givers as we celebrate. Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm that kind of guy. They try to put tape and tell you where you can't go. I mean, like, I mean, if it was up to me, I'd be like way up here. Hey! You know? But they say you can't see me in the light, without the light. So... This is the thing. This is all I'm asking. We only do this once a year. Once a year. It's our opportunity to invest in what God's called us to do. God gave me a vision. And I believe for his provision. And when you have a vision, you can believe God for great things. As a family, when you come to know the Lord, you, get a, you, you should, as husbands, they say, if a, if a man gets saved in the family, 97% of the family will serve the Lord. If a woman gets saved and the husband doesn't get saved, only 17%. If a teenager gets saved, only 9%. Men, you lead. You know, my wife and I, we've, we've given every year. We've given sacrificially. And we talked about it. She picked me up from the airport yesterday, and we talked about, going, hey, we're going to really kind of finalize what we're going to do, what we're going to give. We've been praying about it. She goes, what do you feel like we're supposed to do? And I gave her a figure, and she goes, ooh. Because usually she's the one, she gives a figure, and I'm usually going, ooh. Then we start talking, and how many of you can talk yourself down a little bit? Well, we, did, we need this, we need that, we need, okay, well, we'll give. So this morning we talked again. And she goes, you know, I was thinking about what you said yesterday. That's a sacrifice. The other would be easier. We wouldn't miss it. She goes, I really feel, when you go back to that first figure, if that's what you feel. I go, I felt that. And so we did that. That went in the offering today towards this campus. It's all come all together. But here's the thing. And every time we've done that, God's provided. God's provided in simple ways. My daughter needed braces. And my, my wife went to the dentist, and the lady at the she, they know she goes, Miss Tracy, how much you gonna put down the how much you gonna put down when we put it? She goes, oh, uh, five hundred. And she goes, I believe you're gonna get a thousand. She's going, that's, that's great for you. Look at me, the Catholic woman behind the desk had more faith than my wife. Are you hearing me? And then a couple of days later, a guy goes, Pastor, I've been looking for you all summer. The Lord told me I'm supposed to do something. And he gave me a Pentecostal handshake. And if you don't know what that is, that's where he had money in his hand. And he put it in my hand. And I shook it. And I knew what to do. Put it in my pocket and say, thank you. When he got out, when he left, I look at it. It was a thousand. It was ten one hundred dollar bills. What equal was a hundred. And I looked at my wife. He said, God loves Libby's teeth. 
My daughter was sitting in the den, and she's just looking through her phone. I go, Livy, Livy, look at me. I folded, I did it like this, fanned it out. She goes, Dad. I go, God loves your teeth. Smile for me. God loves your teeth. How many know God knows what we need? And if he's not going to use, if, if you feel like you can't do anything, and you know, I'm not here to pressure you. I'm not here to tell you a sad story. I just know that I can look back in my life and see the faithfulness of God. And when I've stepped out in faith, God loves faith. Amen? I told Zach the other day, we were talking, he did a job. And it was like crazy job, how it all happened. And he, he pocketed a large amount of money. And I said, son, God loves faith. That's why he's provided for you in such an incredible way because you stepped out in faith. You knew, God, you could have stayed where you were and been comfortable, but God was speaking to you. God has more for you. And as he stood out in faith, I've seen God's hand. And it's not just about provision, guys. It's just God's, how many of you got, how many of you just know, how many of you have seen God's hand work in your life many times? How many has God asked you to use your hand to help someone else? And see, this what we do today matters in the future. Can't you, aren't you going to be glad when we don't have to set up and tear down? And all those that really do that said, amen. But one day, I can, we did it for a year and a half, almost two years in Jennings. And Eunice, we did it about the same. In Opelousas, they did it for 10 years. I'm not prophesying that over us. But I just know there's people willing to sacrifice, people willing to give. God's always provided. Maybe you don't have it today. Maybe you're going to get a tax refund or a bonus or, or whatever. This is what I want you to do. I want you to take an envelope right there by your seat. Go take an envelope. And this is what I want you to do. You say, well, man, I can't give today. Some of you have already prepared. Some of you have been praying. What should we do? Maybe you don't have it all. Maybe you can just write, write your name on the envelope where the name is. And maybe put an amount and say, I owe you. Or I'm going to give it when it get it. Whatever it is. And just write it there. If you, it, and that way we know that you're praying and you're asking God and you know that you're trusting God for whatever it is. Is it all right? Don't look at me like that. We're going to pray. Father, thank you so much. God, as, as we look back and we, we know that you've made, you've forgiven us so that we can forgive. That you loved, you loved us first. And that's why we can love. Love's just wanting the best for others. And Lord, as we give this legacy offering this morning, it's not about us, it's really about others. That, God, we would see a region change. We'd see people's lives change. We'd see families restored. We'd see marriages get healed. God, we would have, we would see deliverance take place in, in prodigals' lives, the miracles, the protection promises fulfilled Lord you gave your son and Jesus gave his life and this morning we just give we want to be givers and we want to celebrate in that as we give the greatest gift as we move in faith we know that God when you draw people 
They'll have faith as they hear the message of the gospel of hope. They'll walk through, they'll be defiant in all the lies. They'll allow their minds to be renewed by you. But Lord, we just pray right now, you'd bless this, this legacy offering that God, that you would just change a community because we were willing to step out and believe you in faith. God, you love faith. You love faith. And God, when we move in faith, you love it and you provide all that we need. We just pray your blessings over this time.